Hello and welcome to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Jonathan Warburton, Chairman of Warburton's Family Bakers. Jonathan is part of the fifth generation to lead the family business. He joined the organisation at the tender age of 23 and he and his two cousins have actively managed the company since 1991 on the retirement of their fathers. In our conversation, we explore what it feels like to have your name over the door and succession planning in a family business. Jonathan also reveals some of the more interesting investment decisions made by the previous generation and the story that led him to starring in the popular TV ad campaigns. We also discussed innovation and sustainability in the business. I'm Gemma Soul, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, so, Mr. Jonathan Warburton, it's lovely to see you again. Um, I was reflecting on uh, when we last saw each other beforehand, which I think was not long after the launch of the giant crumpet, and uh, you were speaking at a seminar with us um, up in Edinburgh. How, how are right. you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. In spite of the madness of the last twelve months or fifteen months, I'm I'm pretty well. Been blessed with a with a business that's kept itself uh, very busy. Um, mm. You know, we're lucky in that respect. Feeding the nation, um, it's put the business under a huge amount of stress and uh, it's been very challenging. Uh, and I think people are exhausted now. I think they're exhausted because they can't. You can give them a holiday, but sitting at home in the back bedroom isn't much fun. You know, mm. still without clarity on, on travel, it's making it very difficult. But... Uh, from a personal perspective, um, in pretty good shape. And as I say, very feel rather blessed that we've been lucky enough uh, to keep the business, you know, firing on all cylinders. Mm. And well, obviously it sounds as though you've been very busy throughout the last uh, 15 months or so. But um, with the extra time at home, uh, a lot of individuals have been finding opportunity to develop new skills and interests. Have you any of your own? Uh, that's a, hey, that's a really good question. Um, it's 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 convinced me I don't want to retire. Ah, okay. So should, uh, I don't I, know if I should probe uh, much, no, no, much further. No, I'm very happy to share with you. I mean, I, I you know, being in my early sixties, I'm in a position where I probably could. And um, it, it's something that inevitably crosses your mind, having worked in my, in our family business virtually all my career. You know, you start thinking about it. My father, interestingly enough, had already retired by the age I am now. Uh, and I think the, having the opportunity to, to be at home over the last 12 months has shed a light on where you can really add value once the business starts getting back in and we as sort of senior management team can get back in. Um, and I certainly don't want to, you know, I don't want to be, I'm lucky enough not to be a sort of 8.30 to 5.30 chap anyway. Uh, and, and now having the flexibility is, a, is an absolute privilege. And it certainly made me realise that, A, I don't want to stop, but also how can I use the time available to really add value to the business and add value to myself? So, and, and of course, one thing that we've all learned to do is use technology to give us flexibility. Um, I mean, you know, doing this the way we are now on Zoom's fine. Uh, it will be much better if we were sat opposite one another and doing it, you know, as human beings rather than, you know, nodding to one another. But it's better than just doing a phone call. Mm -hmm. So I think that flexibility that it gives you allows me to think, well, I can quite happily carry on for another five years. Yeah, I, I love doing what I've done. I've been very lucky. I don't want to give it up. Um, and um, uh, so, yes, it's it made me change. I've sort of, I've got, we live on a farm. So we've got, I've, I've been able to spend a bit, a lot more time understanding the rhythms of that, even though we let most of the land to the guys, who, two brothers who live next door to us and, but just being around for that and seeing the seasons change, and that's been an absolute treat um, and made me appreciate my home more. But I haven't, you know, I, I sort of toyed with the idea of trying to improve my very limited French 
Uh, and I toyed with the idea of becoming a sort of backgammon expert, um, neither which have ever really got off the ground. But I played it um, when the golf has been open. I played a bit more golf, which I've so I'm probably I've improved a little bit and certainly walked a lot. Uh, and yeah, look, I mean, simple stuff, but it's been a treat. Mm. And sometimes it's enjoying those small pleasures that you didn't really indulge in before. No. Um, oh, the other thing as well, I've, I've watched a lot of box sets of things okay. I would never have watched on, particularly Amazon and, uh, and Netflix. Uh, which have been, I've loved it. So I'm watching all the nonsense that you suppose is a sort of older guy you're not meant to watch, but it's been terrific because you think, well, I've no else to do. So I'll, I'll watch, you know, all or nothing series on the Michigan Wolverines, which you'd sort of, <laughs> that's the sort of thing that my sons would watch. And now I'm watching, actually, this is great TV. And you can sort of, the legitimacy to, to doing it now, whereas, you know, when you're in flat-out business mode, it's all it's far too trivial. Yeah, now well... It, bloody hell, it's good, that I'm going to watch it. <laughs> you're building your pub, quick, pub quiz knowledge, I think, at least. Correct. <laughs> but, of course, we're not going to do any pubs. Well, well, all in anticipation. You'll be ready to go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you touched on at the beginning there, you know, having spent almost your whole working career at Warburton's. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps we can use some of this conversation to reflect on those personal experiences. Um, one of the first things I'd love to dive into is the fact that Warburton's is a family business. Yep. To those who have no personal experience of working in family businesses or being a supplier or a customer to, um, what's, what's different? What's different to a PLC, for example, or working in a public company? I, I'm, well, I, it's different for me because my name's over the door. So, you know, so I'm in a unique position. There are three of us in the business called Warburton, myself and my two cousins. We've worked together all our careers. So I haven't, we don't see a lot of each other. We haven't seen a lot of each other in the last 12 months for all the obvious reasons other than on, on, on this sort of um, facility. But I think, I think from my perspective is it definitely gives me the opportunity to feel I've got a, a real influence on the future and the direction of the business. I think that it's, um, I would regard it as a privilege. I mean, we've been going since 1876, so, you know, an awfully long time. And if you think of how many businesses have been created since 1876, it'll be in the millions. And the fact that we're still, you know, limping along 145 years later is, is, is a credit to everybody. Um, I think we don't, but we're a business that very much looks forward. And one of the key differences, I think, between uh, a business is like a business like Warburton's is that we can take a two, five, ten year view of the world and talk in all seriousness about where we expect the business to go. And we're not we try and use the best disciplines of a public company. So financial disciplines, you know. Uh, uh, recruitment disciplines that the big PLCs have to be driven by without la- allowing the what we could see the more negative elements of the PLC ownership, for example, very short term, focus on the numbers, uh, getting in the way of running a, a line of travel that people can see. You know, one of my jobs is to articulate around our, our workforce what the vision for the future of the business is. I would argue, certainly at the latter end of my career, I would argue that then the key element is once you've articulated that, you need to get out of the way and let the professionals run the business. And I think, again, as a, as a family business owner, I think that I'm not worried about somebody doing me out of my job. Mm. And I think that gives you, if used wisely, a really competitive advantage because it, it allows me to be, I'm not worried about giving stuff away because somebody might try and use it to their advantage, which I guess in, in a, in a in that, that that's a bit unique. Um, and I think that gives you, uh, hopefully it gives the business confidence that 
you know, what they're getting is a clarity of vision for what. Now, you've got to be able to do that stuff. You've got to have a vision. You've got to be able to convince people that your vision has merit and it's worth supporting. You also need to be aware that you, you're not, you don't have a sole right to vision. So I'm very happy to steal anybody's ideas uh, and, and wrap them up and, and uh, allow Warburton's to develop on the back of uh, a collective. But somebody's got to deliver it. And, and I think that's one of the things that we as, as family members can do um, and, and allow the professionals to run the business on a nitty gritty day to day basis. You know, we used to be much, much more involved uh, on a day to day basis. But frankly, you know, every dog has its day. And uh, there, are pe- there are people now uh, that, that work within our organisation who are much better at it than we would be. Mm. And I've I've spoken to CEOs who've talked about the danger of being so passionate about the company and what they're trying to deliver that they they end up becoming, you know, integrating who they are and how their identity with that of the organization and you know become almost becoming merging and becoming that one thing and becoming synonymous, which then when it comes to stepping away and moving on, it, it's really difficult to do to to do. Is that I something would- yeah, I mean, I would say that ours is, I mean, if you're talking about a professional manager in a public company, say, well, if you were to double, triple, quadruple that, then you get my answer. Because I played golf yesterday with our ex, our retired sales director and my and our MD. And this was something that a year ago we promised John, who'd worked for us all his career. We were very fond of John. We are very fond of John. Uh, we were going for a night away and we were having a dinner and then we were playing golf. And obviously it got kibosh because of COVID. So we said, well, look, well, this is never going to happen. Let's go and play golf. And um, we, were, we were talking about this very subject. And I said, how have you found it? And John's a very disciplined individual. And he said, well, Really tough at first, but I've got used to it and I was ready for it and, you know, very prepared to go and, and still think about the business a lot. Um, and, I, and I was saying that my problem is, even though I'm not in, in my office five days a week, you, it, you're, you're in the job seven days a week. And so you get it, you, you're just, it's part of your DNA mm-hmm. and you're part of it. Uh, that's what comes with ownership, I guess. Mm. Be it a business like Warburton's or any business, you could, you know, your own, your own position. You know, mm. you're it. Mm. You don't leave on a Friday and not think about it till Monday morning. And now, you know, senior directors and lots of people do that, but it's different because your name's over the door. Yes. You know, mm. that's the that's the difference. And and if you're daft enough to go on TV like I am then you definitely don't get away with, you don't get away from it particularly at the moment now i factor all that in when i first agreed to do it seven or eight years ago i sort of thought you know it's another hook that brings you in is it worth it uh but it's been it, it's you know it's been pretty pretty well received so uh fingers crossed it is mm. um if i had a five minute conversation with a uh, a UPS driver today who clearly who brought something for my wife and um, chatting away and you know chatting about about the abs and it's great in a very very friendly and positive light and you go actually it is worth it when you get the kind of response mm, mm. so I do think I do think I get that completely I do think owner drivers feel even more tied in Mm-hmm. for obvious reasons yeah and so well let's talk about succession because in a family business there's an expectation um that things will continue in the family yeah. I I knew your sons as 11 and 13 year olds <laughs> when I was um a gap student at their school yeah. and and so what what is what are the conversations that you have both with the organization but also with your family and your, your cousins and your sons around succession. One of the things I do in, in, or have done for 15 years is 
between normally, and, and forget the last 12 months, I'll come on to that, but between basically the 1st of February and the 1st of July, is visit every site. So all our manufacturing units, which let's say there are 10, and then we have about 15 distribution sites. And I try and do, I don't do all 15 every year, but for example, Aberdeen, I'll get to once every 18 months, say. Thetford in, uh, in Norfolk, the same. So I don't go to the outliers because it's, it's, it's a long roll hike. And I'll do a Q&A with the workforce of which we can talk about absolutely anything. Talk about last night's football. They can talk about yeah, 99% of the questions to do with the business. And I, uh, I, they've got to come with a question. And I'll probably see, I don't know, a couple of 1,500 people over that period of time. And almost without, without fail, I get asked the question about the next generation. And I think there's two reasons. One is people want to know there is a future. And they know that in Warburton's, which is a very committed private business, we're not, you know, we're not, it, the shareholding's very small uh, group for a business that's been going 140 odd years. It's a tiny group of people who are very committed to it being a, a private business, family business for the foreseeable future. So they want that security. But they also want to know not only about the ownership, but they want to be able to see people who are called Warburton, you know, taking into account that they think they're going to be competent. Now, that, of course, is a, is a whole different ball of wax. But let's say, you know, that they're expecting and hoping that they'll be uh, better than their parents. So you've got that aspect. On the other side is that the... And so we have told... Our, none of the next generation are in the business at the moment. Uh, we've got... The eldest is a is a, now a, a woman in her forties. Um, she's married with three little girls living in London, uh, and the youngest is my cousin's, or is it my son? Anyway, twenty-two, cousin's son, of which there are ten then. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've said to all of them, but you can discount certainly the two elder girls. So then you're down to to eight, that there is an opportunity available should they wish to have it, but only if they go and do proper stuff elsewhere. And now that can be a combination of education and, ex and job experiences. It doesn't have to be in the food industry. So Harry, who you'll remember, works in a big London advertising agency. Jack, his twin brother, works for a small uh, startup food branded business angus the 23 year old you know he works he's a personal trainer in london and you know doing incredibly well i mean you say well what on earth would that have to do but but of course he deals with all sorts of different people on a daily basis ross's son jim uh who's the same age as harry and jack he works in corporate finance in Manchester. Again, what's that going to do with baking? It's not, it's about getting experience in life. It's about dealing with people. It's about, because, you know, it'd be great if one of them was a world-class baker. But <laughs> we've got through this generation without any family member being a world-class baker. They need to be well-rounded uh, well-rounded individuals with experience of, of life. And I think for us, 30 is a good sort of age. Uh, because, in, you know, if you, if you talk, we touched on earlier about sort of how I'm not ready to retire. If life expectancy creeps, continues to creep up, you know, gone are the days when people are going to be retiring at 60 or 65, because you could quite easily have... 25 years of retirement mm. ahead of you. Now, some people might absolutely love that and want to do that, and I, and I have no problem with that, but it wouldn't be for me. And I think that it, it's... So if you did... So if Jack and Harry... Say Jack and or Harry came into our business at 30, 31, they're 28 now. So if they came in then, 
there it could easily have 40 years, mm. 35 years. It's quite a chunk of time. You know, trust me, I've done over 40, so I bloody know. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's a long, old time to be in. It, I think people's expectations of, of working life has changed so much and it'll continue to evolve. Mm. And so in terms of how you set up the next generation, there's no kind of steering in terms of this is the career that we're using experiences. It's very much about go out and pursue your interests. And actually, if that leads you back to Warburton's. Yeah. Brilliant. And, And we would love you. We would love one, two, three, four of you to be in. We would love it because the business needs Warburton's in the business. It's just part of the DNA. You've got to have it, I would believe. But you, if you don't want to, uh, and what you can't do is come, a look, come along and have a look and then go, can I bugger off for two years and go and do something else? You know, that's not the way. If you come in, you commit and you, and you get stuck into it, um, mm. I think is how it should be. Um, I think there is a temptation in family businesses that, you know, you go out and look what other people do. And I think you've got to make sure one size does not fit all. It's got to reflect the culture of the people and the family and the business. What we will not have is people who just come in and turn up at 11 o'clock and leave at three because they can't do anything else. That's no, that won't work. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, we don't have, uh, in, in Warburton's, there's never been a husband or wife or partner of the family in the business. Okay. Deliberately? I, yeah, deliberately. Yeah. It, it, just because you do it for one and then you, you've opened the floodgates. You know, you can't do it for, for... I can't say, well, Kim could have a job and then, you know, it just doesn't work. It's a non-star. Mm-hmm. I in our view. And you mentioned the two um, women uh, who who are older. Have they expressed a no. disinterest? They've explicitly no, no. said they just they just both got married in their late twenties. One lives in Fulham, and uh, husband works in the city, uh, and the other one works lives in Worcestershire. And her husband has a they have a family jewelry business in the Midlands, based in the Midlands. So they know they they my sisters, my nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've plowed their own furrow. Um, it, it's, you know, it's still probably more a male business than a female business. Uh, we, it makes no difference to me. You know, I'd be just as happy for, my, for Charlotte, my daughter, to come in as I would for my sons. But it tends to be, you know, it, it, it's... And maybe that's my perception. Maybe I couldn't, I couldn't really back that up with fact. I think that's just my perception that it's a it, it's a bit of a male thing, hmm. and and that's just probably a ref, that's also probably a reflection of my age and my background. Okay. Yeah. Warburton's has evolved quite significantly as a brand since um, you and your cousins took it on. Um, so. Perhaps I'm not sure how many know about the the different um, products, I suppose, or businesses yeah. that you had under the brand of Warburton's when you first <laughs> took it on. I don't know if you'd like to share a couple of examples and um, and how you've kind of evolved the business or developed and how the business has evolved um, since you uh, and your cousins took it on. Well, I mean, I yeah, we could have a back to our podcast on this alone. Um, I mean, I, I I have a version of the truth, but it's the only one I've got. So I think that our fathers, for reasons I can't explain, decided that diversification was the way to go. And my, my father was very committed to the bread business, so what we are now. And I can't speak for the others. But they got, they got their heads turned uh, into lots of entrepreneurial ideas that probably sounded great. But then, as I've learned in my career, it, you can't just throw some money at it and hope it'll stick. If you don't, if you don't 
bring as much rigor to a startup um, or to a small business as you do to a large business, it'll flounder and not go anywhere. I think that they were, I think my old man and his family, his brothers and his cousin, there were four of them. I think they got, um, I mean, the most bizarre were a fish farm because waste bread would come back and they would dry it and serve it to the fish, which, of course, is great, apart from the fact the fish wouldn't eat it. <laughs> I mean, it's sustainable in its thinking. <laughs> yeah, but it was, a, it was a bloody great big fish tank under our old head office. I mean, it was <laughs> that. We had a, we had a, a, we had a, quite a large retail bakery business. So like Greg's is today, uh, based in the northwest of England, none of which were called Warburton's. And we owned a chain of about six or seven smaller businesses in towns of the northwest of England. And they had this collection and it was very tough. It's tough business because it's, they have to have huge product range, all fresh, all every day, blah, blah, blah. And I think to try and find an industry with a bit more margin in, they brought in a consultant who suggested they should find find something with more margin and suggested they bought a jewellery business, which they duly did. Now, go figure. I have no <laughs> idea what bit of that made them think, oh, that's a really good idea. But just, you know, I just don't understand that. Uh, and then probably the most bizarre was a 50% share in a health and beauty spa in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> because we have bakery cafe chain in Boston, Chicago, and Pittsburgh, of which the total of stores was under 20, which were called Warburton's or Warburton's, as the Americans call them, which were terrific and sold great products. But I worked in there in 1980, so when I was a very young fellow. Uh, not long out of school, I worked in one of the, the stores in Boston for three months. And in conversation, because being the English guy, I was put in the shop front and it, we sold straight onto the street. And the market for breakfast in the US was a lot of people bought their breakfast out. Whereas in the UK, you know, you nobody, no right, decent human being would eat, be seen eating breakfast out of their house. But in America, it was very prevalent. And I can remember chatting to uh, folks when they came in for their muffin and scone and coffee. You know, which of the products was your favourite? And being told, absolutely, this is absolutely true, being told on more than one occasion that actually what they came for was our coffee. But because we were bakers, the penny never dropped that maybe the opportunity in the coffee business was greater than we could see. And if, you know, that was pre-Starbucks, uh, mm. you know, but people came because we, we sold great coffee. And I mean, you know, the margin on coffee compared with bakery is, is ridiculous. But because we were bakers, we couldn't see the opportunity. Mm. So I think there's four examples of, you can kind of get the baking shops, the bakery thing, you can see that. But Boston... Pittsburgh, and then the health and beauty spa. Well, who knows? I just don't. Bonkers. Well, uh, Boston, Bolton. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was Boston and Lincolnshire they were going to, not Boston. <laughs> anyway, so when you've lived through that, you see that you can understand why Warburton's has been so obsessed with one thing mm. and so focused at only making high quality day fresh bakery products with our name on it. you know we don't make supermarket own brand we never have done nothing wrong with that at all it's just not for us you know we just want to sell more and more more and more warmers and so when you and your cousins took on the business um from your the, the previous generation and went about actually let's let's make this really straight straightforward yeah. and simple and you know with one single focus 
did they struggle? Did they try to interfere? Did they still have those emotional shares that they were trying to influence you? Very good question. Um, my father was the eldest, mm-hmm. and he was 63 when he retired. And I think he, he was a very good amateur golfer. And he loved playing golf, and he wanted to go and play more golf. He had two younger brothers who were three and six years younger than him, and a, a, a cousin who was 12 months younger. And I think they decided that if we were going to go, they were all going to go together, and they did. So, bless him, my uncle Henry, he was only 57. And, and they really left on the same day. Now, it wasn't as black and white as that, because they kept offices in, the, in our then head office, and they would potter in, and, you know, some days. But they, they really never interfered. They were nothing but supportive in what we did. I think very quickly the business started to do a lot better. So, of course, it became really difficult for them to interfere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the masterstroke, really, and it's a lesson to us, was to make sure they left a senior management team in place who were there to hold our hands and support us, which meant that we weren't having them coming in, telling us where we were going wrong. And, and so I would talk to my father about stuff that was going on. I'm sure Brett and Ross did the same with their fathers. But we never got them coming in and going, well, you know, you're just not doing that right. Mm-hmm. So I think good planning on their behalf uh, and understanding that we were not going to be put, we wouldn't put up, we were by this, we were all 30-ish by this stage. So we weren't 20, you know, don't come in and push us around because we'll push back. You know, we're not going to just agree with you. Uh, and by the way, you're the ones who built, built the bloody fish farm. So, you know, don't try and tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, but my, I mean, I, all of them were almost without fail supportive. Mm. And I think that shows, A, a great maturity. I think it shows an abil- a, a unique ability in a family business that isn't often seen. Because how many times do you hear stories of previous generations of family businesses that insist on hanging around, still coming in the office when they're 85? And and that's why I'm I'm very much of a believer that each family business has to deal with succession in its own way. I know two or three American businesses with big, big family businesses or whether a family is a majority shareholder. And they'll still get, you know, guys, grandfather will come in at 90. But he sees that as a real positive because his grandfather doesn't come in and interfere. He comes in and supports what they're trying to do. So I think culturally there's a cultural shift as well. Mm. So um, it's... We have a template that worked and we'll try and use that with our own kids because our own kids won't I don't think Jack and Harry will put up with me going in and interfering I'd be sort of disappointed if they did really mm. Mm. you know what I mean yeah and so and so I'm hearing two things really in in summary one is the having a really good management team to your point that you made right at the beginning about yeah. um, letting others run the business and you setting the the vision yeah and then the second thing being um play more golf get 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 into your golf so you've got something to occupy your time (laughs) well you know I mean I'm you know well I haven't at the moment but you know I've just have I'm looking I'm getting a new dog in a couple of weeks I'm really looking forward to getting uh one in (laughs) and I like my field sports so I'll be doing you know that sort of can keep me busy during the autumn and winter uh do quite a bit of walking um and you know we have as i said we have a holiday home in cornwall which allows us to get down there um but i don't want to play golf five days a week no well you know, it was the I, cricket pitch that i first met you jonathan yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. I, I i i like to do lots of things a bit rather than mm-hmm. one thing you know the trouble is i'll never be a particularly good golfer uh because I don't, I'm not a five-day guy. The guy I played with yesterday he plays off two in his 60s, but he plays golf five days a week. Mm. And it's his passion. Mm. 
So good for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned some of the interesting side projects earlier. Um, fish farming being an example of, you know, a circular economy and perhaps an opportunity with good intentions but poor execution. Um, but on a, on a more serious note, sustainability is, uh, you know, high on business agendas right now. Yep. I know a big part of your offering, very important to Warburton's, is that your products are baked fresh daily. They're in the supermarkets and yep. later later that morning and they've been transported there that day. So there must be huge challenges around your carbon footprint, yep. how you um, function as in a, as green a way as possible. So how yep. has that evolved um, over the last you know five ten years, and how do you plan to develop or reduce your carbon footprint and develop more green ways of working? Um, I think I. I mean, we've been we've been on this for a long time. We don't make a big song and dance about it, and I think it's a bit of a sort of it's a bit of the culture of the business. Who's look, you know, it's coming it's the right thing to do you've got to get a mindset that people understand what i don't what you won't see from warburton's is me or anybody else going on in the press saying how we're going to eliminate x by y that we're going to be the, at the forefront because i think there is a lot of showboating going on in that arena at the moment mm-hmm. i want warburton's to be at the very at, at the front end of innovation and development and sustainability. So, you know, we use millions of plastic bags a week, very mindful of plastic. So we have a team of which sustainability sits ultimately under me, and we have a team working like mad and have done for some time on finding a solution for plastic packaging. But a couple of points, really. One is plastic's a genius product. It's incredibly strong, it's incredibly thin, it's very cheap, and it's, in our world, very flexible. So machinery can use it that's quite aggressive and hard, and it costs so little. Now, the, the, the flip side of that, of course, is that it just people just dispose of it and throw it away. But then, if you're, you can't, let's say, I, I don't know these numbers, Gemma, but let's say we've got 50 packing machines in our business. There'll be two, three hundred thousand pounds each running polyethylene and polyurethane bags. They're pretty aggressive. They run 60 a minute. So one a second, uh, they're in there producing circa 15 million products of varying types a week. If you had to replace 50 packaging machines at 350 grand each you can do the maths yourself i mean it's an enormous amount of money and an enormously long program of replacement so we're talking of a 10-year cycle now what we can't get at the moment we've been working like billio at the moment is a to get us into plastic so reducing the, the the weight of plastic in the bank so you're getting less and less and less without making them unworkable so your lovely fresh bread goes stale because it's the packaging splits. Um, we're looking more and more at papers. We're putting our huge pressure under our supply base to go for packaging that will go into. So at the moment, an awful lot of our plastic bags, if you take them back to the supermarkets, they can be recycled. But unfortunately, in the United Kingdom, let alone in Europe, but in the UK, there isn't a national policy on recycling. So Edinburgh Council will have one policy and uh, across in Fife, they'll have a completely different policy on what can and can't be recycled and probably what colour bin they go. Mm. So, you know, you move across the wall, across the Firth and you're suddenly putting all your plastic into green bins and they leave them and they go, we don't do green here, love. And so there is no national policy that makes it really difficult for consumers to know quite what to do. Same in Europe. Certain countries in Europe are much further ahead, but not all. So there is that, uh, and we're working like mad, 
we're trying to reduce the amount of pen energy and power we use by using plant. We have quite a few of our bakeries now have combined heat and power plants using regenerating energy and uh, that you know and the heat water and, and and just try and make them more efficient and keep costs down that way. And then we have a thousand trucks that go out on a daily basis doing. I don't know how many million miles a week. It, it's staggering amount. Now, we've got electric vehicles. We've got C. So our big tractor trailers, the ones that you see up and down the motorway, mm -hmm. uh, they are increasingly moving over to compressed natural gas, which, funny enough, we did. We, we had a big chunk of our, our stuff done with CNG about 15, 20 years ago. But the infrastructure wasn't there. Now that's becoming more prevalent. So that's coming back. And in fact, I was looking at a, a, a trunker on Monday that's got, you know, powered by CNG, 80% less carbon emissions than a, than a diesel one would be. And, and our, so London, Manchester, I can't tell you whether Edinburgh has or not, but because we have a big depot not far from you. Uh, but electric, all electric vehicles are going in there. Uh, but they've got a range of 80 miles. So if you're doing a city centre route, fine. But if, you, if, you, if you're in our Aberdeen depot and delivering to Elgin, you're not going to get back. No. So we're trying to take all that into account, but it's certainly my aim and ambition for Warburton's to be in the front end of innovation and development and sustainability. But I'm not going to go and crow about it because I just think there are too many people going to get ch cheap ticks in the box. I'll be plastic free by. Well, you're just setting yourself up for an almighty fall. Uh, and it's easy for the political politicians to say it because they won't be in a job when they, you know, we want to be completely carbon neutral by 2050. Well, that's easy to say because it sounds great, but it's 2021. In 29 years, you won't be in the job you're in now, I can guarantee you. And that's one of the things about us as a family business. We want to be real with our sustainability. Mm. So it's the sort of thing that if you and I ever do another of these in 12 months' time, I, you know, I'll, I'll be able to say, and since we talked, Gemma, we've done da 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 da, da. So mm. we have a programme, we're taking it seriously, but we're doing it quietly in a typical Warburton way. Mm. One thing that you don't do as quietly, um, and I, I love you for it, are your <laughs> marketing campaigns. Um, and so a couple of que fun questions just to close. Um, I've seen you start co-star with Sly Stallone, yeah. um, with The Muppets. Uh, there's been another one, and I can't remember what it... Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Uh, who's next? Well, and have you seen the latest adverts out there? No, I haven't. Right. When you when you go off this call, yep. you need to tap in Warburton's latest TV ad. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can send me a text afterwards. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I will. Talk about that now. But it, it is in a similar vein. But right. hopefully we were very, very conscious of what society's gone through in the last 18 months. So didn't want to be seen to be, and I think I'd like to think that we've got the balance a bit. The balance is quite different, uh, but you'll, you'll let me know when you've seen it. Uh, okay. And it was literally, it's been out a week. So okay. go, on, go on YouTube and it'll pull it up. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I didn't think we'd ever be in the position, you know, when I was at school, I was the last person to put his hand up for the school play. So to think that I have, uh, I, I've, my only acting experience has been with Stallone, The Muppets, Peter Kay, the comedian, Robert, Robert De Niro, and now our latest, uh, which who you don't know what it is, uh, are, it's fanciful, but it's been, um, the key element really is whether you laugh with me or at me. And I, <laughs> I've always said I'll do it as long as people laugh with me because they know it's a joke. I'm not trying to be the Billy Big Cigar. You know, it, it's my family's name, my cousins, 
think think I'm completely wrong because they wouldn't do it for a gold pick. Uh, I just think I, I, it's really important to me that we have a position. We will, you know, we're, we're a likable, friendly. We're a, we're a family that does that takes our business extremely seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think consumers see us in that way. And the and the UPS guy said, because I was saying that to him, I said, you know, he said, what's it like? And I said, well, it's a bit weird, really, because I've no idea what I'm doing. And I'm a proper actor. The more they do the line, the more they do the scene, the better they get. I'm completely the opposite. I'm, 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 if I get it right the first two or three times, they tend to be the one that they end up with. The more I do it, the more I start thinking about it. Mm. And the more I start thinking I know what I'm doing and the worse I get. Yeah. It, it's been, I mean, it was a decision taken on the back of an idea. The original idea came from a letter that was written to me by a consumer in, let's say for this conversation, 2010, 2011, uh, about our driver delivering, it was up in, up in the Grampians, uh, our driver getting into a store where no other driver during the bad weather got in. And I remember talking to our advertising agency, there's got to be an idea for an ad in here. And I thought, being me and careful with my own money, the best thing to do would be to use one of our own people. And it became obvious that actually that really wasn't a really very interesting story. What you had to do, and, and you then get into this snowball effect of, well, you know, so who would you use? And at the most extreme, you'd go, and my sort of world, my mindset was sort of Coronation Street actors. And we'd just got a new MD, and he got, he got quite a bit of experience in this field and we changed ad agencies and we changed our PR people. And they all went, oh, no, 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 you got to go. Let's go. Who would you do if you could? And after much deliberation, uh, we ended up, well, what about Sly Stallone? And I can remember thinking, there was no way Sly Stallone would want to do an ad for Bolton Bakery. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I spoke to him on the phone. Uh, he rang me at home one November evening and uh because uh, I was really worried that he'd just come along, take the money with that bit of and, and just said, look, this is my family's money. Uh, you kn- wouldn't know it's from Adam, but I need you to give me your word that you'll give it 100% if you do it. When I think about it afterwards, I think, I bet he thought cheeky stuff. But he was just brilliant. And his, his behaviour and his performance really set the tone for everything because he took it so seriously. He was fantastic with the workforce. And the ad got such a lot of coverage. We thought, and of course, you know, I'm in it a little bit. And and it brought a reality that internal audience love it. Our staff love it. And um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And uh, But the dilemma is, how on earth, what do you do next? Well, exactly. <laughs> and to be honest with you, Gemma, I said this a year ago. Uh, and, and out of that, and with COVID, you know you'll see at the end of this call you'll go and watch the latest one and and see how it's changed and you think well no way they can top that uh but it's amazing you know you worry a problem long enough it it, it tends to work itself out so yeah i mean it's been it's been great and um you know i've 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 thoroughly enjoyed it uh and i enjoy the experience i don't you know i don't they're not they don't become friends uh, but uh, uh, it's lovely to speak to these people and get a little bit of an insight to meet them and that sort of thing. And uh, to a man, and they're all, they've, they've all been great. Mm. Muppets was the most fun. Yeah. Because I went to Hollywood to do that, whereas the other ones were done in Wakefield, Wembley, Twickenham and Bolton. So trust me, going to Hollywood's a bit more fun than that. <laughs> Um, I, I know you've got to go and to be honest I've got to go as well because I've got some YouTubing to do um, <laughs> but but one one more question to close I'm sure you get asked this a lot but what is your favourite Warburton's product? Uh, I, I, I do get asked a lot you wouldn't be surprised to say they're all my favourite uh, I think I mean I, I the success of our crumpets has amazed me in the last 20 years. And it, it, in a way, that product 
and toasty are orange wrapped white slice loaf. In a way, they, they bookend the business. Toast is, you know, something that I grew up with. Crumpets is something that we ended, we almost fell into doing. And as now we're selling, even now, mind you, it's cold now, but, you know, even now we're still selling 12, 13 million a week. Um, I think they are great examples of very simple products done extremely well. Now, they look simple to consume, but they're actually really, to make them as good as we make them, takes a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of money um i think every new product we innovate and we do a lot of that becomes my fate less that becomes my new favorite so um yeah i think i think that they all are interestingly enough we 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 make we're in tiny numbers but we make a, a sourdough loaf which is sold in small very it's tiny it's a little bakery in milton Keynes that makes it that's what i'm eating at home at the moment but you know that will change when the when the R and D the R and I guys come up with a with a new idea. So, um, but I do you know I love them all really. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. I've loved speaking to you. You're very um, welcome. Great to see you again. Thank you, and uh, all the best with uh, this year. And I look forward to booking in our next one in twelve months' time. You've been listening to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights podcast with host Gemma Soul and guest speaker Jonathan Warburton, chairman of Warburton's. There's something about the frankness and honesty that I really enjoy about Jonathan. He doesn't get caught up in saying what people expect him to say. He's just real. I love what he said about taking the business seriously, but not himself seriously. And his TV ads are testament to that. If you'd like to hear other episodes, you can find our podcast through our website, www.schoolforceos.com forward slash thought hyphen leadership. It's also available across major platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for School for CEOs Leadership Insights. Thanks for listening and see you soon.